The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perot columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. Now, we shouldn't really use the Explorers Podcast moniker with this one because we're talking about Galan Lithium Limited, well-known stock to all of you, I'm sure, trading at 81 cents for a market cap of around $265 million. And of course, Galan is progressing its Ombre Murto lithium project in Argentina towards production. And to bring us up to speed on just where they are and some of the milestones that they've uh, recently passed, we have JP Vargas de la Vega with us today. JP is, of course, the founder and MD of the company. So great to have him on board to uh, bring us up to speed in what's an exciting story, both for the company and the industry itself. G'day, JP. Welcome to the podcast. And good day, Barry. A lot's happened since we last spoke. Where do we start? I guess we better bring in those investors who may not be aware of the uh, story. Tell us a bit about the Ombre Murto West project, where it sits in the industry and um, what the plans are. Well, the project, it's, uh, since last we've spoken, uh, is bigger, be- better and stronger. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. uh, um, bigger because we have grown two and a half size, uh, almost three times the size that we initially disclosed. Uh, now we're sitting at, at 6.5 million tons or 6.6 million tons of lithium carbonate equivalent with around 800 and close to 880 milligrams per litre. So in uh, metrics for Argentina, we are the highest grade project in Argentina. Most of it is under uh, measured categories. Uh, around 71% of that is in measured. Importantly, we have advanced our project into uh, a phase one of definitive feasibility study that came out with uh, flying colors in terms of the economic results. We have uh, an MPV post tax uh, above uh, $400 million, and we have an investment of uh, around $105 million after contingency. Even if you throw numbers on the conservative side, they're they're all conservative in in our view, but uh, even if you want to be really conservative, the payback period for this project is still well in true of around three years. The study shows around two, but are we sitting around three? And that's that's the beginning of what we're doing at Ombro Marto itself. So we have shown phase one development. We are going to come up with a DFS for phase two, and that is coming up in September this year. Mm-hmm. We um, importantly, the next milestone that we are waiting for is to get the full construction permits for phase one development that um, it came with a production profile uh, for all the audience to know of 5,400 tons of lithium, lithium carbonate equivalent in lithium chloride concentrate. Importantly, this is a premium product. And why do I say it's premium? It is premium, Barry, because most of the concentration facilities in the lithium triangle, they concentrate their product to around 1%, maybe 2%. Mm. Our concentrate is showing that we can concentrate to 6% lithium content within our brine. Last 
Monday, meaning um, a few days ago. I'm a bit lost with days, but, uh, but we came out with an announcement confirming that our pilot plant can achieve the 6% of lithium, um, the 6% lithium within our lithium chloride concentrate. So sorry for the long answer, but um, bigger, stronger, and better in terms of the project and hidden milestones. And we are showing that we are uh, on a track to development. And when you uh, talk about that six percent uh, uh, chloride concentrate, I can imagine some investors here getting a bit confused. Oh, isn't six percent what they send out out of the pill? But that's a very on an equivalent basis. This is uh, we're talking about LTO. That would be roughly thirteen percent. Is that right? Compared yeah, to not far away from yeah twelve point ninety nine or ninety nine percent very close to 13 percent that will be the equivalent so more than double well it's mm. coming out from the from from western australia so yeah. and, and if in other words if you want to translate that that's 32 percent lithium carbon equivalent so you are one third of the product that is required for making uh, lfp batteries which is used lithium carbonate so i would imagine that would be a very sought after product uh, indeed, and not only we have high-grade barrier, we have low level of impurities. Our intelligence is showing that the level of contaminants that we have in our concentrate is significantly low, significantly lower to the current producers in in the lithium triangle. We are of the strong view that we can place this product for as a plan B within Argentina. And as a plan A, we are trying to get the export license uh, so we can place this concentrate wherever we want. Just give uh, investors a bit of a feel for who are your neighbours in this particular salt pan. In in Argentina, in our view, there will be more than 10 projects coming up online in the year 25 and 26. That's uh, in line with our phase one first production coming out in the first half of 2025. So the companies that are in the region, uh, I will name them from south to, to north. From south to north, they are uh, Sinjin with a 3Q project project that was purchased from Neolithium. Our neighbors are Posco, Livent, and Olchem. Further north, you have uh, Eramet, uh, the French company that they're trying, they're doing it. They have a JV with a Chinese company trying to be the first one being doing DLE in the area. So it's a bit of binomial, may work or not. Further north, and it's uh, and further north, we have um, Lithium Americas, and we have established in the region in the region um, all came with Olaros, and then you have Olaros expansion. Next door from that, you go Ganfeng with the Mariana project that they're running by themselves, nothing to do with what they're doing with uh, Lithium Americas. Yep. And then you go Rio Tinto, and uh, the purchase Rincon from. Uh, from an Australian company, private company, um, a couple of years oh, ago, and then you go, yeah, correct. And then you have um, Argosy Minerals um, present in the area. So, as mm. you can see, you go quite a number of companies that are, are are in the area, and you may ask why we're we so confident that we can place our brine in the area. And the answer is very simple. If you look at today, there are four producers in the lithium triangle. Um, you got Ave Malib, SQM in Chile, Olkem and Livent. And two out of those four companies that are underperforming, they're not reaching nameplate. Mm. So when you extrapolate that into what you see in the, the, the news, these companies that just mentioned, 
you could easily assume that four or five of these companies are not going to get there. Now, but this is very conservative because the, most of the projects that I mentioned, they're all starting from new. And we all know that when you start from zero, you're going to have issues in, in terms of reaching that nameplate. Now, does this go to your um, approach of a, a low-risk staged flexible production plan where you know you do it in uh, phases and out to phase four, which will take you to 60,000 tonnes of LCE equivalent by, say, 2030? Is that the, some of the reasoning why we've taken that approach? We want to walk before we run. Look, we uh, is we can uh, we don't want to say oh, we're just going to jump to sixty thousand tons and then yeah you need to fund this and 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 also you need to manage the risk. And uh, there's plenty of news out in this year. You're seeing companies not achieving production uh, the production rate profile or whatever they they decided to to do in terms of their production. And that is a common denominator in mining. We are well aware of those issues. Mm -hmm. So we decide, decide to start small from a small base to prove things up, to reduce the execution risk, the financial mm -hmm. risk that it brings, and then we can grow organically. And phase three and four, we may be able to accelerate them if um, things are if we're ticking those boxes in the in the time frame that we believe. So those that approach to 2030 could be a bit conservative, but there's no point trying to say things that are we're not going to achieve um, in the end. So it's um, it's a well thought process, and we do have enough space for. Uh, evaporating up to 60,000 tons. Uh, we haven't mm -hmm. disclosed where we're going to place the rest, but uh, we are um, doing the studies and we're going to inform the market when when we have that um, already at a much mature level. And uh, you mentioned Rincon, Rio Tinto's first entry into lithium in, or brines anyway, in uh, South America there. Your project is not DLE, directly? No. And the reason but... being is so far, what we see in Barry is DLE is power hungry and water hungry. That's the data that we've seen so far, or maybe one or the other. But uh, we are in the middle of nowhere. That's why we in a in a we have a soil flat. We are in a dry environment where there is lower rain, so there's not in not plenty of water and power. So we're trying to be pragmatic about this, and we're using a technology that works. And we we know that uh, the evaporation process works, and we already ticked the box last Monday. We're proving that we can do this, and importantly, we can come up with this evaporation process in the middle of the winter. If DLE works on the track barrier, we may be able to bolt it on. But um, at this stage, uh, we just want to be pragmatic and get to cash flow as soon as possible. Having said that, though, uh, you achieved that fantastic 6% uh, lith uh, lithium chloride concentrate return. Is there anything in particular about your uh, your process, your you know your pilot plant that you've uh, run this through and you've come out with that 6%? Is you doing anything different or is this tried and true in that part of the world? At a high level, from the technical point of view, is that we do have a very strong experience experience team, and uh, they were all ex SQM Chilean, maybe correct. And uh, and you see that ex SQM personnel at lower all ranks. You we have the, at a board level, we have Daniel Jimenez, ex SQM of commercial. We got Claudia Paul, ex SQM executive. We uh, we got as a consultant for the project and uh, and the board. We have Juan Carlos Barrera, ex SQM of operations. Our geology, um, hydrogeologist is our geology manager for Galan, XSQM, and chemical engineers and so on. And people even 
and they're going to be in charge of the pond constructions at OLX SQM. Right. Now, when you look um, to answer the question about the, the power plant, it's there's plenty of knowledge that I was put together in a predictive model using technology. So the predictive model said initially that we'll get to this 6%, and we were able to track it. And the model, we ticked them pretty much all the ticks for this predictive model. So technology is to our advantage, but you cannot use that technology if you don't have the experience as no. how to get this predictive model. So we have plenty of experience, and that is a major differentiation from any other company that are, can execute this. For our team to do this is not nothing new. They've got plenty of experience. I know also who the providers are, who to talk to, and they bring plenty of engineers as well. So it's, uh, I think there's a very strong and well um, put together team by now. So it's um, we're very excited to be not far away of getting our full permit to start construction. Right. And I assume that when that permit comes through, um, first production would be possible when, do you think? The first half of 2025. Right. Okay. So well on the way. Now, JP, one thing that um, has always intrigued me about the company is you've got the uh, a proven huge resource. You're uh, beautifully located. You've got the uh, local team on board, the SQM essential team there. The market cap. I've seen mm -hmm. there's Australian lithium explorers who have an equivalent market cap and they, they, they're yet to have a resource. What's, what's going on here? Uh, with Galan, uh, is the market waiting for first production, or uh, are they waiting for um, a takeover well, bid? Or no. uh, I'll say two things. First of all, uh, there's always a better valuation for local Australian projects, uh, the local company, well, the local market understands yeah. podium, and they're all familiar with that. So that it's a given, and there's not much we can do about that. And the second bit is. We are the only ASX company in the in the brine sector that is saying that we're going to be producing lithium chloride concentrate. They're not familiar with the concept, although if we were um, spodiumine, they no one will raise an eyebrow because we are producing concentrate. Yeah. So I, I believe that the market is um, it's keeping an, a close eye on us. Uh, there's uh, a wait and see sort of. Uh, attitude, if you ask me, and there's plenty of volatility as well. And they probably want to see um, a commercial agreement that backs our strategy up. Uh, it, needless to say, they, um, uh, the, the project has been maturing every step of the way. And uh, in my view, it's a matter of time. Um, the first one is for the government to give us the construction permits. That is uh, very soon, in, in my view, it's going to happen this quarter. So in that way, you have the endorsement from the government saying that they believe that we can produce concentrate. A commercial contract uh, type of offtake so they can see that this product to be sold. And we believe that we could be on track of delivering one of those before the end of the year. Uh, the market wants to understand and know how we're going to be funding the rest of the project for phase one. And uh, it's $100 million. Our cash position as last quarter was $45 million. So all of those answers will, end, uh, will be put to the market in due course. We're working on all of those things. And once we mature these three big answer, questions, um, I think that that will be um, the, uh, the the de-risk of the company. And mm -hmm. looking from the outside point of view, mm -hmm. looking at, um, like anyone else will think, because we're doing trying 
to do something different. But uh, commercially, it makes sense to a lot of people that we just go into chloride concentrate instead of carbonate. Mm. And the other reason why we're doing this uh, for clarification is that the capex will be 40% more. So imagine if we come up in this environment with a capex that is 40% higher, or even a production rate is a bit higher, plus 40%, we have to tell the market, um, by the way, we need two years of working capital because we're not going to get paid uh, during those two extra years. And the reason why we're not going to get paid these two extra years is because when you are become when you become a carbonate operation, you need to qualify your carbonate. Mm. You stop being a miner and you you become a chemical company. Right. So cash flow is not coming. Then you have to deal with the uh, with the um, um, operational um, capex that you sustaining capex that you need for this. So um, you have to line your ducks in 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 a much stronger way, and but uh, it is riskier. So that's why we said. Instead of, if we would have wait about done the carbonate, we would have come into cash flow in twenty seven. Yeah. We expect to be in cash flow in twenty five. Yeah. So, and and let us walk before we run. We um, in in our announcement we said that we look at our downstream options because we'll have the product to test, and we want to make a, a call uh, when we are in cash flow. But we want to have all the data and if, and all the studies done by, by then as well. So, it's um. It's not as quick as many people would like to, or or follow the the uh, everyone's uh, route. But um, but if you put it this way, imagine what would have happened in Australia if they um they would ask for all mining companies. Imagine Pilgrim Minerals trying to produce lithium hydroxide in Australia. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, nightmare. <clears throat> we uh, well, the ones that are being built currently are well, some of them been finished two two three years ago, and they're still. Struggling to get to nameplate. Um, okay, so no, very interesting. Low and emphasizing the low risk stage uh, production plan makes a lot of sense. Let's um, not say though that at the end of the day, um, say come twenty thirty, and you're at sixty thousand tons of LCE equivalent, that you shouldn't be enjoying the same metrics as a lithium carbonate producer. Absolutely not. Uh... But one step at a time, Barry. Let, let us get to phase one, and uh, and we'll, I'm confident that we'll get to phase four. And it's um, we've got a dream here, and we're chasing it, and um, we want to get to market. We want to be a producer, and we believe that we're not far away from starting construction. And again, the permit start the construction to show the market that we have a simple, very mm. low, uh, low tech, low uh, risk approach to get to market, especially in this type of volatility that we face in these days, uh, one one day jumps in the next gate, next tank. So it's um we um we'll we'll um we'll finish this marathon, we'll become a producer and we'll definitely will be re-rated. Okay. Now, JP, you are a student of the lithium market, of course. Um I see that in the I think it was the DFS, the long term price was twenty eight thousand US a ton. That's pretty much where you see things uh, for the foreseeable future. Give or take, uh, we we use uh, an external party uh, for the study, and that was the number that I that I was given to us. Um, look, I'm a mineral economist by background. I've done plenty of studies as well, but I can guarantee you that whatever <laughs> number that we use is going to be wrong. And. <laughs> And um, but uh, what is important is where we sit on the cost curve. Right. So um, we even on this 
first phase, which is not the most efficient way of starting a project with a 5400, we 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 sit in the all-in sustaining cost as as um, inefficient as it can be for the size. We sit in uh, in the first half of the um, cost curve. Yeah. So um, we believe that we could move close to the one third of the first quarter in terms of um, cost curve in terms of um, operating costs down the track uh, as phase two and, and three kick in. And, and the important thing for us is to come to market, see the CapEx, and no matter what will happen in the industry, in the lithium industry, we'll be able to still be in operations and and uh, make a margin and 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 yeah and, and be in the business. So that that's importantly, and that's the edge that lithium brine has over hard rock operations. Your operating costs are pretty much flat because you use pump and reagent, mm-hmm. and so your pit doesn't change. It's pretty much the soft flat is is static in that way. So it's um it's it, it's a point that we believe that we can be competitive and and uh, our mindset is to get to market as soon as possible. Mm. Well, that came through in the DFS. I think the uh, steady state average cash cost of production was put at under US uh, $4,000 a tonne. Um, look at that, uh, compare that to a long-term lithium carbon up price of, say, $28,000 a tonne. Huge value uplift compared to what our spodumene producers who are running at around $1,000 a tonne now costs and currently get receiving about 3500 So, it's the these brine these lith, uh, brine lithium projects that uh, is where the the value uplift is there if you get things right. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just for clarification, this is our cost to produce chloride concentrate. You mm-hmm. need to add the converting cost to carbonate, which is another two thousand dollars a ton. So mm-hmm. your total cost in a in a straight line will be around six thousand dollars a ton. But mm-hmm. uh, with the pricing environment that we are seeing. It's um, it's still very competitive, and absolutely, we'll we'll still can be more comp- more competitive than most of the um, hard rock operations out, out there. Uh, okay, okay, JP, um, we might go over what uh, has previously previously been said, but just so we can uh, leave it in investor minds, just three or four points they should be looking out for before the year's out that could get you on that re-rating pathway. Um, the first one is permits, in my view. Mm-hmm. We should get the permits for construction phase one uh, in this quarter. And by the end of September, we should have the phase two definitive feasibility study um, out so people can see the metrics, followed by um, execution of, of construction of um, phase one. And, and uh, what, and we, um, We'll keep going there. And so there's uh, plenty of news coming up uh, for this uh, for this year. And then uh, we're also working on you know, other things uh, for, as mentioned, uh, potential offtake before the end of the year. So that mm. itself is, is quite a bit and <laughs> keep us um, uh, okay. very busy in, in Atkalan. Okay. All right. There you go, folks. One to watch as the year unfolds. Plenty of action and um, a lot of uh, signposts there that will, uh, I believe, will get the uh, project uh uh, the Galan market cap uh, moving bef- uh, before long. So with that, JP, thanks for your time. I know you're very busy, but uh, really appreciate it. Good luck with it all. We'll be watching with interest. Thank you very much, Barry. And I will wish you a good day. And um, um, I look forward to giving an update uh, as soon as we have big news to tell. Okay.